This morning we're going to talk about joy. As we conclude our series on what as believers is the heart of Christmas, what does it really mean to keep Christ in Christmas? What do we focus on? We've looked at hope. That since Adam and Eve first took the forbidden fruit and sinned against God and had to hide from Him in the garden, that mankind has needed hope. And God provided that hope with a promise that one day He would make things right. And He continued that promise through Abraham and promised him that through the great nation that He was going to make of him, that He would bless the whole world. And He continued that promise through David, saying that through his line there would be a king who would rule forever. There would be no end to his kingdom. We looked at peace. As people all over the world in all time have always had this desire for peace. And it isn't just not wanting nations to be at war or even peace within our families or our friends or workplaces, that there's something within inside of us that just desires peace. And it's because we were created to be in fellowship with God. And without that fellowship, with animosity instead of fellowship, there is a lack of peace. We looked at love and that the, the world tends to focus on Christmas as being a time of love. And that's really what it is. That the birth of Jesus Christ is the outpouring of God's love. And all of those things lead us to joy. The Webster's Dictionary definition of joy is an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune. Or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. The key there is the idea that it's an emotion. It's what I often talk about with the the world is constantly telling us that you know, do what makes you happy. If that makes you happy, then it can't be wrong. Why would you ever tell someone that what makes them happy is bad or a sin? Happiness is an emotion that is fleeting. It comes and goes. I don't think joy is like that. I think joy is much deeper. The biblical definition of joy, the Greek word kara, is a deep-seated gladness regardless of circumstances. Deep-seated. It's not something on the surface that can come and go. It is, it is within us. It is a part of us. And it is there. And we can possess that joy in our lives because of Jesus Christ. Our big idea today, that true joy, that kind of deep-seated joy, is only found in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, be with us this morning on this Christmas morning as we, we talk about the joy that Jesus brings, that he brought to the world. Be with us as we are in your word, your revelation to us. Help me to express clearly the things that I have learned and help this message to be uplifting to us on this Christmas morning. In Jesus' name we pray. So why does Jesus bring that kind of joy? I have three things that I want to look at this morning. The first is that the good news about Jesus, about a Savior, is 
It brings joy because it's true. Good news is only really good news if it's true. If I were to walk up to you today after church and say, oh, by the way, you won the lottery. You will be getting a check in the mail for $100 million. Really? No. <laughs> well, that's not good news. Good news is only good news if it's true. You don't rejoice over a false report. We investigate things. We find out, is this really true? And if you find out something great, and it is really true, and it's worthy of joy. In Luke's gospel, as he begins his gospel in Luke 1, in his introduction, says, And inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theopolis. Luke, in his very exacting account of the birth of Jesus Christ, is able to give a detailed account because he researched it. He talked to the people who were there, and he wrote down a true story. The true story of a Savior coming into the world. If it wasn't true, if it was just a legend that we would celebrate it at Christmas time and, and talk about, then it is the sickest of all jokes. Because this isn't just a story about a baby. This is a story of God himself becoming a man, offering eternal life, offering grace, offering forgiveness, offering peace, offering hope to a sinful world. That's the story. And if it wasn't true, why would we ever repeat it? I saw a video the other day. This guy makes these funny short clips and in these clips, he's always every character. and He makes this one, it was a, the Christmas committee. And the, the meeting starts out and the guy says, all right, we need to come up with a central character for Christmas. And then it pans to himself in a different outfit. And he goes, well, isn't that Jesus, the baby Jesus? The eternal God of the world becoming a man miraculously to save the whole world from sin, becoming the central figure in human history. And it goes on and on. The guy goes, well, yeah, that's great, but I was thinking more like a, a big fat guy in a red suit that would fly with these magic deer. And sort of the ridiculousness of trying to shift the focus away from Jesus. And it's ridiculous because this story is true. And the gift that Jesus offers is greater than any other gift. Getting back to Luke, most scholars believe that, that as he investigated the things of Jesus' life for this Story. The reason this story is so detailed is because that Mary was his eyewitness for this story. So the person who was closer to this than anyone else, who, as Luke says, pondered these things in her heart, is the one who gave Luke this account. Regardless, in our belief, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and so we know it's true. But we have this detailed account. And you think if it was made up, 
one of the things we often look at at, at Easter time is that if, if the disciples made up the resurrection of Jesus, they never would have said the women found the tomb first. Because in that time, women weren't respected the way men were. Their witness would not have been respected. Well, if I was making up the story of a Savior coming into the world, why would I have him born poor and lowly and in such circumstances where his, his family couldn't even find a, a place in an inn to have him born, that he was born in a stable? And in the Roman world, shepherds were not looked highly upon. And they're the ones that are given the first news from the angels, and they're the first ones that come to see him, and they're the ones that spread the story. These are things that you wouldn't make up, but it doesn't matter who it was that got the news first or where it happened or how poor his family was because it's true. And they wrote it down for us because it's, and it can bring us real joy because it's true. A story that makes us feel good may make us feel good for a moment, but then it, it goes away. A true story about the greatest gift ever given brings joy. It brings real joy. There are so many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life, but just a few. I mean, you look at the story of his birth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Micah 5, 2 prophesied that that's where he would be born. We read this morning from Matthew that when the Magi came looking, the wise men of Israel knew where these wise men from the east could find the Messiah if he had been born because it was prophesied. Luke 1, 67 to 79, Zacharias' prophecy shows how the birth of John the Baptist fulfilled Isaiah's prophecies of the one who would come before Jesus. Luke 3, 23 to 38, demonstrates Jesus' lineage going back through David, showing the fulfillment of God's promise to David. There's so many prophecies fulfilled through Jesus' life. It could never be a coincidence, but even just these few at the very beginning show us that this is God fulfilling the promise he made that this is a true story it's good news and it brings joy because it's true and because it's true it takes us to our second point this brings joy because it is good news to sinners and who is a sinner all of us go back to to luke's story in luke 2 read about the shepherds right after Jesus' birth luke 2 and verse 8 in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Last week, we went Christmas caroling, and when we got out to, to Thelma Yoder's house in Yellow Jacket, and they come, it's dark out here. <laughs> you know, at our house, we do get some light coming up from the town, but I will say that, like, if it's dark out, I don't like to take the trash can out to the road without a flashlight. If there isn't a moon, if there isn't stars, I mean, it is pitch black. And I have a vivid imagination. That imagination is really good at imagining mountain lions and, and other things that are out there waiting for me. You think about that, I mean, the shepherds, that's what, they're out there in the pitch blackness with no city lights, no artificial light 
to give light to the sky. And maybe they had a, a campfire, but if you've ever been camping, it almost, when it's pitch black, it almost makes it even more eerie because you get a sense of what is right around you, but everything outside of that is even darker. And into that darkness comes this bright light and says they were terribly afraid. Well, of course they were. But the angels came bringing good news. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That image there, that image of the darkness and the shepherds and the angels interrupting their night with the bright light and how terrifying that must have been, that image reminds me of last night we looked at John 1. John 1 verse 4, as John is describing who Jesus is, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That his birth was a, a shining of a light into a dark world, a world that is overwhelmed with sin. Sin that God cannot tolerate, and so it is sin that separates us from our Creator, from the God of the universe. When you think of the opposite of joy, I don't think it's sadness. I think sadness is more like happiness in its opposite, that these are things that come and go. When I think of the opposite of joy, I think of despair. Again, a deep-seated emotion that is just there. And if you've ever gone through a period of your life where you are experiencing despair, whether it's over a loss or over circumstances, or it just seems to color everything in your life. And since that moment when Adam and Eve first sinned against God, there has been despair in the world. There has been a longing for something else. And Jesus is that light we have needed. As John said, the darkness did not comprehend it. I don't even think that we know our, our scripture passages and that, that Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. That this is the whole world, if they do not have Jesus, whether they know it or not, are in terrible danger of eternal separation from God. As you think, like if I was, you ever go to Walmart when it's really crowded? And now they have, you know, they want everyone to go through the self-checkout lines. And if you're like me and you're getting a bunch of produce and you don't want to sit there and try and figure out all the codes yourself, that you, you wait in line. And if you're in line for 20 minutes, if I was in line for 20 minutes and you came running into Walmart and you grabbed my arm and you yanked me out of the store, and we get outside and I said, what did you do that for? So well, I saved you from Walmart. I wouldn't be grateful. But if you got outside... And he said, well, there was a man with a gun walking into the store, and I didn't want you to be in there and be dangerous, but I would be eternally grateful. Jesus was the light that came into the world that, that illuminated our need for him, for God's grace, for God's love. And when we are aware of that, we are aware of the cause of these longings within us, of the despair that is so easy to overcome 
the world, then it is good news. That as the angels say, a Savior has been born for you. A Savior was born for me. I need a Savior. The world needs a Savior. Whether we know it or not, we all need Jesus. Later on in, in John 1, John records Jesus coming to John the Baptist. Verse 29 of John 1. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a gift. What joy that brings. Our third point, our last point, is that Jesus gives new life to those who believe in him. That this isn't just good news and that once we've we've figured that out, that we've comprehended the light, that we can be satisfied in knowing that we have been made right with God, it should give us a longing for more for a new and a different kind of life. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, has eternal life and does not come into judgment but is passed out of death into life. That is is something that we now have. Last night we looked at John 1 and we looked specifically at what John says there that Jesus gave us the opportunity to be. And that is for those who receive him, those who believe in him and his promise are given the power to be children of God. John 10, Jesus gives the parable of the good shepherd and then verse 7 he says, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Yes, Jesus came so that I could have eternal life, but he came so that I can experience an abundant life right now that is impossible without him. A life of joy. You know, there are passages you focus on at different times in your life, but one verse that for a long time now has, has stood out to me is one that needs to be a daily reminder. We've looked at, throughout different sermon series, I've, I've touched on Romans 8 and Galatians 5, because this idea of walking in the Spirit should be so pivotal in our lives. But Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is with, dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit that dwells in you. He will give us a new life. When we look at, at what sin brings, what it has always brought, It is always, it never brings lasting happiness and it absolutely never brings joy. But when we believe in Jesus Christ and we are given the spirit that raised him from the dead, we have an opportunity to live for him and to experience life in a way that is unknowable without him. To live out that light that he's shown into the world.
that brings joy. Jesus' birth brings joy because it's true. Jesus' birth brings joy because it is good news to a sinful world. Jesus' birth brings joy to us as believers because it is why we can have joy. It is why we can have abundant life. It is why we have eternal life. Again, all the things that we've looked at in this series. Fulfillment of hope. In one of those articles I had read when I was doing that, that series on hope, it said something about that, that people can't live without hope. It was a secular, godless scholar writing that. People can't live without hope. Why do you think that is? Jesus is the fulfillment of hope. Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus is the outpouring of God's love. It is, it is through him that we get to experience God's love. That humbling love that the almighty God of the universe cares about me, loves me, loves me so much that he sacrificed his only begotten son for me. These things lead to joy. I read a story once about a little boy that lived during the Depression, and in the small town that he lived in, he found out the circus was coming to town. And he went home and he told his dad, he said, Dad, the circus is coming to town, and it costs 50 cents to go. And that was an enormous amount of money to, to throw away on something frivolous for this man trying desperately to make ends meet for his family. And he said, son, I, I just can't. Afford. But if you go and you can work and if you can earn half of it, I'll provide the other half. And so in the weeks leading up to the circus, this young man, young boy went to everyone he could to try and find jobs to do for a penny and whatever he could earn. And he earned his 25 cents and his dad gave him the other 25 cents and he bought his ticket. And on the day of the circus, he was so excited, he he grabbed his ticket and he ran downtown and there was a parade going through town and he got to watch the elephants go by and the clowns and the lions and the ringmaster. And when it was all over, he had this enormous smile on his face and he walked home. He lived a good bit out of town and so it took a long time to get home and he, he finally gets home and his dad says, what are you doing home already? He said, oh, dad, the circus was great. The elephants were so big and the clowns were so funny. He says, well, the circus should just now be ending. Why are you home? Where, where did you go? He said, it was right on the street in downtown. He said, son, that was the parade. You missed the circus. If we're celebrating Christmas because we get to be with family, because we get to give each other gifts, we're missing the true joy. We're missing the main show. If we have that, if we have that joy, how can you not share it with others? Think of this Christmas time. You know, we had a, a funeral service here on, on Friday for a very young man. And the gentleman that did the service for him had known him, and I, as I listened to him, he was wanting to share things that had given him peace, and it all centered on Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that this gift makes even a funeral for a young man something where we can have that if we are to count it all joy when we face various trials how can we do that?
we have Jesus. Because God sent his son to this earth. and He was born a man. And he lived a perfect life. A life that no one could take from him, but a life that he gave because of my sin. And on the third day, he rose again, proving that he had the power over death. That the promise that he made of eternal life, he could make good on it because he himself rose from the dead. I'm sure you are all familiar with the story in John 4. I think it's a story that our lives may not all look like the Samaritan's woman's, but all of our lives have sin. All of our lives are thirsting for something. And Jesus meets her where she's at, going to the well at the hottest part of the day so that she didn't have to face the ridicule from others, living a life of shame. Jesus meets her where she's at. John 4.10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. That is the ultimate gift. The water that springs up into eternal life. The water that satisfies our every need. The water that brings us true 